sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, December 18th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we fundamentally try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, week 15 got off to a tight start yesterday as we had an overtime game in Thursday. Thursday night football, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders in an AFC West tilt. And, you know, the Chargers tried to charge it away on a number of levels. The Money Badger missing multiple kicks. We had an injury to a starting quarterback early on. We had Keenan Allen out there as a decoy. It didn't matter because we found other guys. Marcus Mariota was in there looking decent. 226 yards passing, 88 yards rushing. Josh Jacobs gets into the end zone with 76 yards. Austin Eckler is kind of all over the place with 60 yards and four catches, filling wide receivers aplenty. There were points scored, and ultimately the Chargers get a win 30-27 to in overtime. And Kev, this severely harms the Raiders' playoff chances. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be really difficult to view the Raiders as a team with a shot to get into the postseason. Realistically, if the Patriots beat the Dolphins this week, right, which would be a little bit of help for Vegas, the Pats then have the same record as them. They'd have a 2-0 tiebreaker over Miami, and they would have had a head-to-head victory over Vegas. I mean, there's pretty much, it's a lose-lose scenario all around for Vegas here. They've lost four of five with the one win stopping them from five in a row. Greg Williams and the Jets. I I mean, it is just a disaster close to the season here for Vegas. And I, you know, I don't know. Do they win this game if Derek Carr stays in? I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't want to slight Mariota. I think Mariota was good in what he gave him, realistically. I don't. I think Derek Carr probably helps them punch it in in overtime. Uh, you know, and maybe he doesn't have the interception. Yeah, but Mariota did it. make some plays with his legs, right? That Carr may he not sure have did. made throughout that game as well. So I hear you. It's tough to say. Yeah, like he Carr's not making the plays with the legs. The question is, does he need to? Right? He, he could just do sure. it through the air and probably mm-hmm. still have that level of success. I, I think the conversation about what Mariota did in the game and will likely need to do over the final uh, weeks of the yep, season is pretty interesting. What but for the, the Chargers, character? at the end of the day, or Herbert, this was what we were used to. And I feel like for a while we kind of got away from. Even even their win last week against the Falcons had way more to do with the Falcons and Matt Ryan throwing three interceptions than any you know all-world Justin Herbert performance. But he was in right. the first half out of this world, almost 200 yards throwing on 16 of 20 uh, with two touchdowns. He didn't do much in the second half, which was very Chargers. But for them, it's... 
It's a battle. You want your draft pick to be great. You don't want to risk winning games to the point Anthony Lynn comes back. But you want Justin yeah, Herbert right. to experience winning. Yep, that is fair. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, from around the globe, big shout out to all of our affiliates. Thanks for getting up on the grid early with us, Dane and Kevin here on the early line. I think that is fair. The Chargers, you know, get their fifth win of the season. And you got to believe, right, that the arrow is pointing up. I mean, I saw yesterday, you know, the Chargers going into the game yesterday was something like 11 and two if you teased the Chargers, right? And that speaks to kind of how close all of their games have have been and as they kind of grow more as a team as they mature a little bit whether it's an under Anthony Lynn or not right do those one score losses start to become one score wins next year I think you and I and most people have said that the talent is there right and they have found their quarterback so if Justin Herbert can continue his development they get guys back like a you know like a Derwin James let's say on the defensive side another draft maybe the Chargers could be a team to keep an eye on next year. It's almost like I want to bet them over their win total next year already because those tight losses could become tight wins. Let me ask you, though, about Vegas because they were in the playoff chase, right? You know, they started hot this season, right? They got the foundational win against the Chiefs, which everyone thought was crazy. Then they played them tight again, right? But you've mentioned what's happened over the last month or so, Kev. Here's my question. Like, were they ever actually that good you know like the bears started five and one right and then they lost a ton in a row and people were like eh, maybe they were never actually that good were the raiders ever actually that good you know this is the thing they in an early season resume stacked up a win over the saints they played a tight one against the bills a win at Kansas City. And you were like, wow, this is solid here. The Tampa right. Bay game is one that got away from them, and them losing by 25 points, it wasn't that far apart. Then they beat the Browns, and it was like, all right, this team is for real. They're continuing to stack up results. And then they play that game against the Chiefs, and they kind of, you know, they drank it up. But it was awful of a loss. And they let the Atlanta game slip. And then they steal the Jets game. But who cares? You stole the game. They've had two opportunities now to get right here, and yeah. they just haven't done anything that resembles that. There's got to be questions now. The last two seasons for them, the way it has ended, unacceptable. Two years in a row. Two years in a row, and Jacobs hasn't really made it to the finish line in that way either. We'll talk more when we come. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here onto the early line. Dane and Kevin, as usual, on a football Friday. Looking back at Thursday night football. But, Kev, we've got Saturday games here to play. Tomorrow that we've got to look at. No more buys. So plenty of games to look at. And a lot of them with playoff implications, Kev. Let's start with the Saturday games. And we start with the Buffalo Bills, who are riding high at 10-3. and three. Some people believe like they can threaten all the way at the top of the 
AFC. If Pittsburgh continues to fall, you see how they stacked up against Kansas City. But they have a different AFC West foe. They go to Denver to take on the 5-8 and eight Broncos. The, the Broncos are home dogs of 6 points. 49.5 is your total, honestly. Listen, this Bills offense has looked awesome, right? They had Josh Allen has entered, re-entered the kind of MVP conversation, albeit as a distant third or fourth choice. And I just don't know about the Broncos offense on the other side, Kev. This Broncos offense is 29th in the NFL in terms of points a game, giving uh, scoring less than 20 points a game. How will they keep up against this Buffalo offense? I mean, they'll do it the way they did it last week. I mean, they scored 32 points last week. Drew Locke threw four okay. touchdown passes, and K.J. Hamler looked like he maybe had his breakout game. At the yeah, end of the day, this push. Denver offense, like, they have had their moments. You know, they, they've had a, an, an up-and-down season. I think that's currently what you're getting out of Drew Locke. It's up-and-down performances. There's not true consistency in Drew Locke's game yet, and that's, you know, maybe the biggest difference between a franchise quarterback and, and not as far as the Bills go. Listen, the Bills yeah. are hot, right? And everybody feels like they are maybe the second best team in the AFC because again, Pittsburgh uh, is becoming like Texas A and M. It's like they're there in record, mm-hmm. but nobody could care less. Everyone could care less about it. I think Buffalo mm-hmm. goes into this game though. Everyone really excited about it. I could see a world where Denver though. Does hang around. You know, they covered that game uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, They had beat the Miami Dolphins uh, as well. So if I look at their last couple of games here, a win at Carolina, a cover against the Chiefs, and a Saints game that doesn't count, and an outright victory over Miami, I I think there's a world where I I can see Denver actually being competitive in this game where everyone is going to be expecting a Buffalo blowout. Yeah, you know, they are also the home dog. You know how much I love a home dog spot, especially in odd situations, Kevin. And quite frankly, Saturday afternoon is a little bit of an odd situation, right? So we'll see. You do mention that the Bills offense is hot. Stefan, can you dig it? Leads the NFL with 100 catches. He's got 1,161 yards as well. Gabe Davis, in for John Brown, has caught a touchdown pass in his life last two or three games so keep an eye out on that you think denver can hang around kev the one thing they will have to avoid is the turnover they have 29 turnovers have the most in the nfl if they want to hang around they can't give this offense kev that you think is hot and rolling extra bites mm-hmm. at the apple if they want to hang around or even stay within the number this night game on Saturday is another team that has playoff implications where the Green Bay Packers will host the Carolina Panthers. Seven and a half is the spread on this one. Fifty-one and a half is the total. That's up a bit from the flat 51 that happened yesterday. So the total is going up. I told you that the Broncos have 29 turnovers, the most in the NFL. The Packers have only nine, which is the fewest in the NFL. The Packers have only allowed Aaron Rodgers to be sacked 14 times that's the second best in the nfl all of that combines to 31 and a half points a game which is absolutely the tops we know the carolina panthers defense is young the carolina panthers defense also is second worst in terms of third down getting off the field when they need to i think all that is a recipe for aaron Rodgers to be able to continue drives when it counts and get to 30 again i mean green bay's got a lot to play for they are at home it is 
is prime time. Do they roll or do they get tripped up by a big number? Look, this is the game that questions home field advantage. I think the game we just talked about with Buffalo only laying six, it's like, yeah, it's in Denver. What do you expect them to be laying? Again, just based on home field math, you're telling me that the Packers would be below field goal favorites in Carolina? It's preposterous. It's laughable. Hmm. There's no way that that's the number. This number should be 10.5 to make people think about what they want to do. Maybe a flat 10, maybe it gets bought down to a 9.5. I have no idea why this is seven and a half. It's the type of number that is questioning because it's so wrong to me that I can't be like, oh, it's a smash spot. I got to roll Green Bay. I think the number is wrong. And that's a very odd thing to see this deep into the year. I lean Packers, but I'm going to keep trying to search for answers when it comes to this game and see if someone can explain to me why this number is seven and a half and at least not a juiced nine and a half. No, I hear you, but remember, I have seen the Packers in these spots before. They were big favorites at Lambeau to the damn Jacksonville Jaguars and couldn't cover the number, right? There have been times when they've been big favorites. Right, and they wound up winning, I think, like four or six, you know, something like that. And I understand that. But can the book really be like, listen, okay, we know Green Bay doesn't cover as a big... People are still batting them. It's Green Bay. People were laying eight and a half with them on the road last week. Like, the book's doing us a favor now. They're like, yeah, listen, here's here's a number Green Bay should cover. What about in the same game... What if you're in the same game, take that down from seven and a half to one and a half and take the 51 and a half down to 45 and a half and hop over that? Because one thing we have seen with Carolina, right? The back door is open for Teddy Two Gloves, right? They'll put up some points. Their offense, you know, can move the ball. Mike Davis, Robbie. First of all, Robbie Anderson, career year is 83 catches, 996 Mm -hmm. yards, both career best. To be quite honest, you know, find me a better free agent signing this this winter than Robbie Anderson to the Carolina Panthers, like in the non-quarterback division. Let's say that way, right? Can you think of a better one? Maybe a guy like Blake Martinez and what he's doing with that Giants defense. But Robbie has been a revelation. But I think that the idea of the backdoor cover would be my answer. And Kev, all the more reason, I would consider a little same-game tease uh, with the Packers down. And then, you know, take that number down and hop on over it if you want to prop in this game, Kev. Whenever it comes out, find the Devontae Adams touchdown number, okay? The man has a touchdown, Kev, in his last eight games in a row. That is tied for the third largest, longest streak in NFL history. Can I get you to, uh, even if it's a minus number, think Adams gets in the end zone? Oh, it'll be a minus number. I'm just worried about how That's... minus the number will you be. Wanna, you want to play it? If it's minus one, I mean, you're t- not 85, would you play it? No, I'm not playing minus 185 on a receiver. No matter how much Rodgers is destined to keep throwing the football, no matter where they are on the field. I don't remember the last time. Poor Aaron Jones. I just want to say this because you mentioned the teaser spot. How yeah, popular is this? It's minus 190, Packers. by the way. It's a minus 190 for Devontae. Yeah, so yeah, it's ridiculous. A little money line parlay crazy. action? You know that this Packers-Bills money line parlay that right now FanDuel is, playing, is paying minus 135 is going to be the Saturday parlay. Right, so oh, yeah. Look, maybe everyone's gonna have a great Saturday. Maybe, but that's that stuff really scares me. And I'm saying this right now: Buffalo yeah. Wolves game one, like the Panthers are the side game two. If Denver pulls the upset, Green Bay's a lock of the decade. So, right, it's just. A, it's so let me a, ask you a, this: It's a weird number with that money line parlay, right? With that money line parlay, you do a little Buffalo, you do a little Green Bay. 
What if you throw in the throw in the Crimson Tide? <laughs> it's just unnecessary to me. Why not? Uh, it'll, give me a little, it'll give me another 15 cents. <laughs> yeah, from 135 to 110. Like, keep your 25 yeah. bucks. Like, I'm not letting... I'm not letting Alabama losing that game no. mess up my night. All right, what if I threw Cincinnati in there as well? You never know. A lot of cross board opportunities. Absolutely, yeah, but there are some cross board opportunities on Saturday. Yeah. The NFL will be going on, and conference championships will be going on a plenty. And I know the place to watch it, guys. It is right here on Sports Grid, where with the second screen and in game live, you can follow all the action and you know find the right opportunity, whether it's pregame on these money line parlays or in the middle of the game when you see some stuff go down. When we Come back, though, Kev. Boy, do we got some games to cover. And quite frankly, I want to look at the games of the week. There's one that's obvious, and there's a couple that you may not have thought about at the beginning of the season. But boy, are there playoff implications on the line. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Big shout out to all of our affiliates from around the country, around the globe, giving you what you need to win your leagues and win that cash. Jane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, game of the day on Sunday. A lot of people believe are Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Dome to see the Saints when the Saints come marching in. I mean, it is very odd, Kev, at this point of the season to have a matchup with two teams with this kind of winning percentage among them these two teams are combined to go 22 and 4 so far this season and the saints are home dogs they are getting three points at home when the kansas city chiefs come in 51 and a half is the total we've been talking about like is drew Brees ready or not i don't think so they say they're going to be careful with him it looks like Taysom hill will be there again but i see this shaping up in a different way we all know about the kansas city chiefs their crazy offense the history making performances of Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position, of Travis Kelsey at the tight end position, what Tyreek Hill can do, CEH as a rookie. But, Kev, one of the other things we have been talking about and lauding for the better part of the last two months is the improvement in the Saints' defense, right, Kev? And you were on this, that it was getting better and better throughout the season. They now are all the way up to fourth in terms of points per game. They're second in the league against the pass, Kev. So... Just like last week when the Dolphins were a kind of under-the-radar top three, top five defense, and we were like, can they handle Kansas City? I'll ask you a similar question about these Saints. Can that defense handle Kansas City at all? They got at least a more explosive offense on the other side to compete as well. Yeah, this game, I, I tend to lean towards a shootout here. I, I feel mm. like this is the type of game that you get the Chiefs kind of from the jump Right, they they put up that early ten point lead. It's very Kansas City. That's what I'd like to see. Here's the reality, though: the Chiefs have not covered in five straight games. This is and true because they're the Chiefs. They don't have to adjust the numbers. Nobody cares. It's the Chiefs. You're just gonna keep rolling with it. And now, listen. Some of the stuff was tough, right? Like they got backdoored, I think, by both Carolina. Tampa Bay and Miami technically too. Miami. So it's but when you're laying those numbers, you get backdoor. So here we go. We got a nice small 
field goal spread. Well, the, I mean, the Tampa Bay number was three, ended up finishing at about three and a half. So they ended up getting backdoor on that number. Maybe you got a push. Who knows? Maybe you bought it down earlier in the week at a two and a half, and you covered the number. So your trends are different when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. You got a Saints team now coming off of a loss. You know, so it's almost like this perfect storm where you have back home in the dome on the Saints, right? People are going to be like, listen, I can't do this with the Saints. I think that uh, their defense is maybe starting to fall. Like, this is what you're going to hear people kind of say. I think I just want to play the over in the football game. Like I said, I think it has a track meet type of feel to it because I think you get the absolute best foot forward from Kansas City, and I still think that the Saints offense will be – I think Taysom Hill's actually done pretty well for himself as a passer uh, over the past couple of weeks here when he's been asked to do so. So I'm just going to play the over in the game. I think it's a really, really tough call on the spread. You know me, like I've always said, when in doubt – you lean towards, you know, Mahomes and Reed, except that's not worked now uh, in over a month. Yeah, no, I hear you. Think about the offensive talent, though, that will be on that field, right? You know, last year's Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Thomas. This year's, like, RB1 kind of in fantasy and Alvin Kamara. Travis Kelsey literally setting records at the tight end position. Patty Mahomes has gone for over 315 yards passing in his last six Mm -hmm. games in a row. That is tied for the longest streak in NFL history. And we're not even mentioning Hall of Famer Drew Brees. We're not even mentioning all pro Tyree Kill. No wonder this game is going to probably be stacked a ton when it comes to Davis, Maddock, and DFS. Let's go to our next game, Kev, which also has huge playoff implications in the NFC. And you may not have thought about it because the Seattle Seahawks will be traveling across country to see the first place Washington football team in what some people believe could become primed as a playoff preview if the Rams hold on in the NFC West. This could wind up being that dreaded 4-5 matchup that everybody's been talking about. Wow, they may have actually win in the kind of the irony of it all as that four seed, whoever it is, right? I see this as a battle of a very good offense against a very good defense, Kev. Seattle will be traveling across country with the third best offense Offense in the NFL scoring 30 points, two points a game. But on the other side, the Washington football team gives up only 21 points a game. That is fifth best in the NFL. We know they can get pressure on the quarterback, right? Because of that front four and Chase Young. And Chase Young has been looking like a boss lately. Can the Washington defense slow down Russ after cross country travel on grass, which is going to be a little bit damp because I think a storm just went through, right? Uh, look, this is a big-time PTSD game. Remember the last time Seattle traveled to an NFC East team and laid six and a half? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the worst beats. I, I still, I think it was a worse beat than the Ravens yeah. game, what the Eagles ended up doing <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks. And also, I really do believe that. I look at this game right. I mean, Washington wins last week two defensive touchdowns. It's like, yeah, all right, that's not a thing. Like, that's that's not how... But listen, their defense is really, really good. The Seahawks come off of a game where they play the Jets. The Jets are not a real football team. I mean, they won. They won by thirty-seven. So it's, that's about as much as you could ask for. That's what they're supposed up against to do, right. a, a JV team. But at the end of the day, like I mean, Geno Smith was quarterbacking in the third quarter. I mean, it was an absolute joke. So I like Seattle. I think Seattle gets the job done here. I think Seattle should be coming out and looking to throw this football, get DK Metcalf involved early. 
Obviously, we're going to be interested in the quarterback situation for Washington, but they've been trying to win games with their defense. I think this is a game where Russ answers the bell. We'll find out. The over-under is 44.5. Seahawks Mm -hmm. games have been continually going under the number, and if Washington's going to win this or even keep this competitive, they're going to need it to go under that number as well. No, I think that's true, right? I say all the time, style makes fight, right, Kev? And the style that would be preferential for Washington, right, is a game that when you turn it on in the, on the grass field in Washington that looks a little bit sloppy, that you got Russell breathing, seeing his breath, where they look a little bit uncomfortable, that kind of slobber knocker, shall I say, that is the path you would think for Washington to hang around or even win this game, and that profiles a little bit to and under too often. Offensive weapons, though, for Washington that I do want to highlight. One again is J.D. McKissick, who has gotten over 75 scrimmage yards in his last three. He has been a revelation in the passing game mostly, but since Gibson went down, they use him on the ground as well. His 58 catches are second in the NFL among running backs behind only Alvin Kamara. But Kev, Terry McLaurin is, you know, kind of an underrated stud receiver, right? Last week, he got over the 1,000-yard mark. Kev, for the first time in his career, 73 catches, 1,001 yards on this season. He's been good. They have a true wide receiver on the outside. But I have a trivia question for you, Kev. Mm. When you think about the Washington football team and their wide receivers, you don't think necessarily usually about dynamic, productive wideouts. Terry McLaurin, with his stat line so far this year of 73 catches and over 1,000 yards, is the first Washington wide receiver to have over 70 catches and over a thousand receiving yards in a season since who since when Kevin Pierre Garçon since when since who give me both when 2015 the answer is Pierre Garcon in 2016, Kev. But I'll give you partial credit for that one. I thought you were going to be coming up with names like Art Monk or Santana Moss. Uh, or even your boy, too. Santana Moss. Or even your boy Deshaun Jackson getting to that level at some point. But it was yeah. Pierre Garcon. And I asked that question mostly just because I like saying the word. Garcon. Another game, though, that we should talk about that has huge playoff implications, and we may have to talk more about this on the other side, is the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. They are getting it going in a game. Kev, the winner of this game, depending on what uh, Arizona does, right, is going to be live. Right, It's going to be hanging around with two weeks left to go in this playoff race. The Vikings at home are three-and-a-half-point favorites. 47-and-a-half is your total. You know Mitchell Trubisky, as a starter for the Bears, has won four games in a row against these Vikings. The run game has been a little bit better, even though I don't love the player. David Montgomery has got over 100 scrimmage yards, four of his last five since he's been you know, coming back from injury. How do you see this one? Are the Bears a different team under Trubisky. 
They are. They've been better under Trubisky. Uh, this is another game, though, that is questioning a little bit with the home field advantage because this is the same exact number that the Vikings laid at Soldier Field. Although maybe they feel like Minnesota is trending down and the Bears under Trubisky is trending up. It's possible. It's possible. I actually quite like the over in this game. I'm just kind of going back hmm. to it. Last week, I really loved the game to go over Bears-Texans. Watson fumbles on the one, doesn't get in, right. throws the ball off Jordan Aiken's shoulder because he can't see. Then he gets hit downstairs, and A.J. McCarron is in, and the game never gets over the number. It was an unfortunate scene. But the Bears under Trubisky have been scoring, scoring, scoring. It's just what it is, and their games have been playing to the over. And I think Minnesota is going to be able to come out here. They've had totals these past couple of weeks standing up in the 50s here. A little bit of a light discount, I think, for this Minnesota offense as well. Dan Bailey somehow still has a job. Yeah, so right. Be careful. Because when this loses, because Dan Bailey misses a bunch of kicks, you can't really yeah. scream bad beat. You knew it going in. Fair enough. And remember, it's a three-and-a-half-point spread in the division, right? So those do sometimes profile as tight games. We'll talk a little bit more about this one. We got some other NFC games to look at when we come back. Looking at Week 15, it's a football Friday here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin looking at these games in the NFC. We were talking Bears-Vikings, Kev. And honestly, let's talk a little bit about this Minnesota side. Like, what do you think about this offense? They're a top-10 offense now in terms of yards per game. Everyone loves to talk about Justin Jefferson and what he's doing as a rookie wide receiver, maybe even keeping the door open. He's the second choice right now for rookie of the year. We know what Dalvin Cook is doing in this season. He's second in the league in scrimmage yards, 14 touchdowns is tied for first. We know about Thielen scoring touchdowns as a receiver as well. Talk to me about this offense going up against what's a good Bears defense. Can they keep rolling and continue to produce? I think that Minnesota, from the from a team-building perspective, Dane, is, yeah. is really fascinating. Just because Kirk Cousins is a, is a, a very untrustworthy quarterback, but every year mm. you look through the numbers, and there's a lot of solid stuff there. And that now, there. Yeah. you know, for them to send Diggs out and replace it with Justin Jefferson, of course, they'll have Thielen, have Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in all of football. There's pieces there on the offensive side of the ball. But you still have Mike Zimmer, who at times feels like he's stuck in the past, and he's going to be the head coach of right. a defense that's lost a lot of talent here for Minnesota. And mm -hmm. I, I just... Because even if Minnesota wins this game, I still think it's an uphill battle for this team to get into the playoffs. And we're kind of getting to the point where I'm starting to think about teams offseason, right? Like, that's how I felt yeah, last sure. night after Vegas uh, and that game for them. So I just yeah. – I look at Minnesota. I think they can put points up here. I think the Bears' defense had an incredible performance last week up against the Texans. 
But I just I do think Minnesota can score. What's going to be really interesting, you mentioned it a little bit, how much the Arizona game matters. The last time Minnesota and Arizona were tied, Minnesota had that tie break. I don't know if the Bears would, but a world where you're guaranteed right. the winner of this game goes to seven because of tie break scenarios also makes it super, super fascinating. Who would have thought that when the, these teams last played, that both might underwhelm from even the point of that game. And then when mm-hmm. they meet again, it's still right. massive playoff implications. Well, Kev, remember, if the Bears do, in fact, lose this game, then there's no way I can lose my season win total bet. So you know which way I will be looking. Also, you mentioned the Zimmer defense, right? And it's not what it was, right? Uh, but they do... Like, still make plays when they need to, Kev. Check this out. They are top five in the NFL in both third down defenses. Opponents only convert third down 37% of the time against them. That is fifth best in the NFL. And then also, Kev, in the red zone, only converting touchdowns against them only happens at a 52% clip. That is fourth best in the NFL as well. So, you know, on the money downs, on third down, or when the field gets a little bit more condensed in the red zone, they are still kind of doing what they need to do in the red zone though kev they're gonna have to stop jimmy graham jimmy graham got a touchdown yes uh last week it was his 80th of his career kev and that makes him the fourth tight end in nf history kev to get to 80 touchdowns who are the other three tony gonzalez antonio gates Jason Witten. Witten played forever. Close. Close, Kev. You got two of the three correct. All four of the men who have scored 80 touchdowns as a tight end receiving, they all have last names that start with G. Jimmy Graham, who I told you about. Um... Tony Gonzalez, who I told you about. You mentioned Antonio Gates, who I told you about. Kev, that's a huge hint. Can you give me another G tight end? I don't know if I can. I'm oh, drawing a blank can, here. Kev. That's okay. The answer is Rob Gronkowski, Kev. Oh, yeah. The answer is Rob Gronkowski. Dude of all time. I'm trying to help you out, but you talk about another huge matchup as per the playoff positioning, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles, Kev, going to Arizona. You mentioned this. The winner of that Bears-Vikings game will have seven wins, right? The Arizona Cardinals right now in that last playoff spot, they have seven wins and would look to stay one game up on that crew with a win at home as six and a half point favorites, Kev, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Forty nine and a half is your total. Obviously, everybody's talking about Jalen Hurts, who got over 100 yards rushing in his debut. Only Lamar Jackson had done that in NFL history. You got Miles Sanders and the crew. However, my question for you as a plugged-in Eagles fan, Kev, is on the other side of the ball where that secondary is very banged up going into a matchup where Kyla Murray, a lot of people believe, is back to health. And you got wide receivers aplenty to contend with in DeAndre Hopkins, even guys like Kirk or Isabella. We'll see what happens with Larry Fitzgerald after his bout with COVID. Could Might that be a little bit too much to handle, Kev, with the Kingsbury scheme, a lot of wideouts, Kyla Murray as a trigger man, and a banged up secondary for Philly? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be an issue for Philly. I will say, Arizona last week, I liked them a lot in that game against the Giants. They won that game with their defense, which was pretty surprising. Uh, they ultimately registered eight sacks, and they kept yeah. having the Giants turn the football over a lot of short fields. They were willing to settle for field goals, and it was ultimately enough. I do think DeAndre Hopkins is in for a big game. I think his over yardage, pretty much at any number, is going to be worth the play. And I think Jalen Hurts is over rushing yards is probably going to be worth the play because they just likely won't be able to set it high enough. It was in the 30s last week. Unless they're really willing to put it up into the 60s or 70s, I think you'll be wanting to play that game uh, over the number here. A lot of people are cozying up to this Arizona offense having a big game. I struggle to disagree. I just personally prefer the total in this game as a whole. There's a couple of games. Uh, there's quite a few of these games. I just feel... I don't know what I don't know if this lands with you at all, Dane. At this point in the season, I find myself a little bit more comfortable with totals than sides. I just think I, you can talk me into so many different directions with these sides. Whether oh this yeah. team needs it more, or this is a letdown spot, look ahead spot, road dog, whatever it might be, like all of these different things. Where I just feel like you can get kind of a grasp of. The, the offenses and the defenses and kind of can there be points here and I just prefer this game over the number no, I do think that makes sense. We When we talk to our veteran cappers and our analysis all the time, we hear about how the NFL is the sharpest market out there, right? And now, mm-hmm. after 14 weeks of the season, right, you have more and more time for these lines to get even sharper. So I don't disagree with what you're t- saying, but, you know, I love to play some sides as well. You mentioned D-Hop, who's having yet another incredible season, Kev. 94 catches, 1,155 yards. That's good for third and fifth in the NFL, respectively. You talk about his prop bet also. Listen, he's gone over 100 yards, Kev. Six different games so far this season. That is tied for most of the league. And you talk about another prop bet, maybe. You're on the Jalen Hurts prop bet, rushing-wise. What about the Kyler Murray rushing prop bet? And here would be my other piece on this. As we say, maybe he's getting healthier and healthier. Remember talking about the idea of uh, him back to the run game? You thought, though, that defenses were playing him a little bit different. I remember we talked Mm -hmm. one game where he had something like three yards a carry or something like that, and you thought that defenses were kind of selling out a little bit. I want to push that uh, as for the Kyler Murray rushing yards because of something else you mentioned. The Philadelphia Eagles can get pressure on the quarterback, Kev. Their uh, 43 sacks on the season is second best in the NFL. So if you have, you know, Barnett and Cox and the boys putting pressure on Kyler, Does that lend himself more to scrambling, not even the design runs, getting out the back door, and then getting over that rushing total? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The thing is, last week, and I and I myself, I was pretty. Oh, this Kyler's running again. He only finished right. forty-seven yards. You know, okay. he's still not putting the touchdowns away. So, yes, I would really struggle to be under on a Kyler Murray rushing number. I struggle to be under on any prop because as the game goes on, you always have – like Austin Eckler was having an 
awful rush game last night. And he ripped off a 27-yard run right. on his 10th carry, which was more yardage than he had on his first nine, and he ultimately scoots over his rushing total. So it's hard for to play unders, I think, and that's a big reason is because you always are alive in the number. And Kyler's the type of guy that can rip off big runs. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing to me is, does Kyler start ripping off a couple double-digit yard runs? Like, really yeah. get out there Chunks. and and... And, yeah, chunk plays, I think. I, you'd lean over because it feels like the safer way to play it, but I, I, it's going to depend on the number. Cop-out answer, okay. but it's the answer. So let me ask you another one where I want your answer to be two words long. Who runs for more yards in this game, Jalen Hurts Jalen or Hurts. Kyler Murray? Not even Jalen Hurts? Jalen okay, Hurts. all right, Close. fair enough. Jalen Hurts is your two-word no answer. I respect that. As we keep it moving, we're talking about another NFC game that, listen, once you go a little bit under the Bears and under the Vikings, there is another team that is technically still alive, and they are road favorites this week. The San Francisco 49ers go to Dallas this week in a game that, like, in the, in the 90s would have been the marquee matchup of the season, right? But the San Francisco 49ers are three-point favorites going to Jerry World. 45 and a half is the total in this one. Here's how I think this game is going to be determined. I'll tell you right now, Kev, because we got just like a three-point spread. So the books think this is going to be close. Remember when I told you about the Denver Broncos and their 29 turnovers on the season to lead the league? Yeah. Well, the 49ers are second in the league, giving it up 25 times so far this year. And the Dallas Cowboys are third in the league, giving it up 24 times. These two teams, Kev, have combined for 49 turnovers. And I think there'll be more mistakes in this game. And whoever wins makes the big mistake is going to lose this game, in my opinion. What's going to be interesting is do those mistakes turn into points or do they take points off of the board? The total there is 45 and a half. It's just right in that middle range, right? Where if you go under, you're like, oh, man, that's a low-scoring game. Then you play the over and you're like, who am I trusting here? Who, who am I trusting here to put up all these points? I think the number, it's a type of number, I think, that, again, kind of questions home field advantage a bit. The idea that the Niners would be laying well above a touchdown like, the Niners would be laying more points to the Cowboys than the Packers are to the Panthers if this game was in San Francisco. That doesn't that doesn't add up for me. So that's why I'm leaning towards Dallas with the three here. Because, yes, I understand that the Niners are somewhat in the mix. More so, I think, I think Dallas is a little bit liver than the Niners, though, just because it's the NFC East. And I don't think Dallas thinks their season is over. And also, just can Andy Dalton throw for 500 yards over the final three games here and end the year as the leading passer on the season for Dak? I just can't get for over Dallas. this. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't get over this that Dak yeah. is still the leading passer. That is pretty interesting. Remember, I, I submit the idea that Dak could show himself to be a most valuable player candidate because of the difference in this team. You know, you talk about that on one side. Listen, the Dallas defense, though, has been piss poor all season long. They give up 30.8 points yeah. a game. That is worse than the NFL. Listen, Kev, they also give up 162 yards on the ground each game. They have now gone below even teams like Houston or Detroit for the worst run defense in the league. And with San Francisco coming in and the way that they 
they like to run the ball and the schemes that they put, I'd be intrigued, especially with Raheem Mostert a little bit up in the air. Look at the Jeff Wilson props. Look at the Jeff Wilson anytime touchdown props because teams can run against this. They don't have Debo. They don't have Kittle. The Niners can run, and you can run on Dallas. I'd look to take advantage of that in the prop market. We come on right back. It's Football Friday, Week 15 on the Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, finishing up hour number one. It's a football Friday. It's a huge weekend of football, Kev. Not only Saturday games in the NFL, a full slate on Sunday as we look to the playoffs, but don't forget about conference championship weekend here in college football as well. With all the drama, right, with all the positioning, it goes down this weekend. It even starts tonight, Kev, where, like, our Buffalo Bulls get it going to try to win the MAC, the Oregon Ducks and USC get going to settle the Pac-12. A lot of people are looking at USC. We got all sorts of games highlighted by the ACC Championship right here on SportsGrid. We will be following it in-game live to get all of those numbers for you to win a little bit of extra cash on that game. I know you are excited about all the football tomorrow, but unfortunately, Kev, one of the games we were very excited to see will not be happening. It has fallen by the wayside due to COVID. Unfortunately, the championship in the Sun Belt won't be going down with two of our favorite teams, Louisiana Lafayette and mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina, will be crowned co-Sun Belt champions. They've both had great seasons. We like them, but unfortunately, it doesn't help make the case for them or even add to the chaos of a team like Iowa State. Would have loved to see this Sun Belt champion be crowned. Yeah, it is a shame. These are two teams that are having great years for their programs. Uh, ultimately, the Sun Belt says that they're going to have them both be co-champions. Feels a little hard done by for Coastal already having that head-to-head victory. But I understand you both qualify for the game or are supposed to play it. I wonder if, you know, a part of them is like, man, we'd love to be able to play this game. Can we just push it back? Because I don't know when those two teams are going to be playing their bowl games. I mean, you right. would think they would be playing. They're both top 20 teams right now that they would be playing later on in the bowl schedule to where sure. maybe they could get it in. But the reality is you don't know when Coastal is going to be cleared, who ultimately is the team that ended up popping up with the virus situation. I, yeah. I wonder if that factored into the decision Either not that you you're blaming Coastal, but if it was Louisiana that caused the shutdown, and then Coastal doesn't get the opportunity to be yeah. crowned champions, unbeaten season, and already having the victory, it's a shame. But still, a great year for both programs. Maybe they should just schedule against Texas A&M at some point. They seem to be idle as well. I'm going to be interested to see who these two teams match up in their bowls, right? And I'm going to bet them plus money. <laughs> 